Radio Theater Project. Radio Theater Project. A radio drama series featuring comedy, science fiction, and mystery. 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 Old stories and new. Radio Theater Project. Theater of the mind for today. Doctoring Gold. Alchemy was the ancient art of attempting to turn lead into gold. Men were obsessed with this idea for centuries. This obsession can be vainglorious and self-destructive when all of their human emotions are pushed aside. And so it happens to a man who lost almost everything and then tries to make up for life's loss with mad experiments. Presenting Doctoring Gold based on the story The Golden Ingot by Fitz James O'Brien, adapted for radio by Bobby Wiley. There it is now. It's coming together. It is of such beauty, such power, such magnitude. Almost, almost, the green is chasing the bronze hues across the surface. Any moment now. Yes, there it is. The golden tone emerges. Now for the final addition. The tangential component that begins a transmutation! Now the other. The dregs of the residue of the gold with just a few drops of the tincture of iodine. Where is that confounded bottle? Ah, here. Between the mercury and the potassium nitrate samples, that dratted girl was cleaning up again. Father, what what are you doing? Can it be at this time of night and in this weather? What is it? Excuse me. So, sir, are, are you the doctor? Yeah, yes, yes I am. Come in, my good woman. I'm, I'm so sorry to bother you so late. What is it? My father, he's met with a severe accident. He requires instant surgical aid. I entreat you, come immediately. In what manner was your father hurt? He blew himself up, sir, and is terribly wounded. <sighs> is he in some factory, then? No, sir, he's a chemist. A chemist? Why, he's a brother professional. Wait an instant, I'll slip on my coat and go with you. Do you live far from here? On 7th Avenue, no more than two blocks at the end of the street. So much the better. We'll be with him in just a few minutes. Did you leave anyone in attendance on him? No, sir. He will allow no one but myself to enter his laboratory. And, injured as he is, I I could not induce him to quit it. Indeed. He's engaged in some great research, perhaps? I have known such cases. Don't. Don't ask me any questions. He will tell you all, but, oh, do hasten. He may be dead by this time. In here. He's in here. On the bed. Go to him. See if he is dead. I dare not look. How goes it, my poor friend? Where are you hurt? Who are you? I don't know you. Who brought you here? You are a stranger. How dare you come into my private rooms to spy upon me? I assure you, sir, I am no spy. I've heard that you had met with an accident and have come to cure you. I am Dr. Luxor, and here is my card. You're a physician? Ah, and a surgeon as well. You are bound by oath not to reveal the secrets of your patients? Of course. 
I am afraid that I am hurt. Undoubtedly, sir. Your arms and a, a fair portion of your face and chest are quite scorched. It pains you, yes? Somewhat, Doctor. Somewhat. But assure me, good sir, you will not reveal anything that you may learn here. Promise me. You have my word, sir, as a physician and as a gentleman. I will trust you. Cure me. I will pay you well. You must keep quiet. You've been seriously burned in several areas. Let nothing irritate you. I will leave a composing craft with your daughter, which she will give you immediately. I will see you in the morning. You should be well in a week. Oh, thank God. My daughter. Have you seen her then? When? Where? Oh, may a thousand curses. Oh, Father, Father, don't, don't curse me. Ah, brigand! You are there, are you, sir? I am the most unhappy man in the world. There is my rock forever crushing my back. There is my eternal vulture feeding upon my heart. There, there, there! No, no, oh no, Father. Listen to me, sir, while I skin this painted viper. I have your oath you will not reveal. I am an alchemist, sir. An alchemist? Indeed. Since I was 28 years old, I have pursued the wonderful and subtle secret. Such has been my sublime aim, and such has been the splendid feat that I have accomplished. Yes, sir, but please try to stay calm. Two years since I succeeded in solving the greatest problem, in transmuting the baser metals into purest gold. Only that Girl, God, and I know what suffered. Everything I have was sacrificed towards that one great end. Yes, we have indeed sacrificed everything towards your labors, Father. Bah! Success at last crowned my labors. That which Nicholas Flamel did in 1382, that which George Ripley did at Rhodes in 1460, and that which Alexander Sethon did in the 17th century, I did in 1856. I made gold. Oh, Father, don't overexcite yourself so. I worked at the process every day. The hints from the alchemist's sacred tomes were my only map, but I believed facility would come with experience, and I would become the richest man on Earth. Sir, for tonight, can you not rest? Just for a short time? No! As I always have, I toiled on. Day after day, I gave to this girl what gold I succeeded in fabricating, telling her to store it away after supplying our necessities. Father, if, if you... I was astonished to perceive that we lived as poorly as ever. I reflected, however, that it was perhaps a commendable piece of prudence on the part of my daughter. Thinking her course a wise one, I did not reproach her for her miserliness, but I toiled on amid want with closed lips. Father, I have ever wanted for no less than you, and yet you called me faithless when I told you of the theft. My dear daughter, we have set away enough gold. I wish to make an encroachment upon our small wealth. Oh, my dear father, we are bereft once again. 
It is gone, all of it, gone, stolen away. What? When? Tell me about this travesty. There's nothing here. When I awakened this morning, the door was ajar and there was no gold. This is a bitter blow. Scoundrels, but we shall overcome. I will not allow this to interfere with my dreams. Marion, we will be rich. Father, I fear this work is hard on your health. Could you not go back to, to medicining? People came to you No! For... Never again shall the lives of another rest upon my soul. I shall work all the harder at our financial independence. I shall secure the gold. Father, let me redeem myself. No, I shall hide away the gold. Please, I must show myself a worthy daughter in your eyes. I cannot live knowing that I have failed you, Father. Allow me this chance to make right my wrongs, dearest father. My dear daughter, you are so like your mother. Very well. She has since that time continued to hide away the ingots. Yet you behold the way we live. Our food is insufficient and of bad quality. We never buy clothes. The rent of this hole is a mere pittance. Myself, no less or more than you. What am I to think of the wretched girl who plunges me into this misery? Is she a miser, think you? Or a female gamester? Or, or, or does she squander it riotously in places I know not of? Oh, Father, you abuse me so. I am not sunk so low. Oh, Doctor. Doctor, do not blame me if I heap imprecations on her head, for I have suffered bitterly. Sir, what is your name? William Blakelock. I come from an old Saxon stock, sir, that bred true men and women in former days. Good Lord, how did it ever come to pass that such a one as that girl ever sprung from our line? Oh, may you not be mistaken in your daughter, sir. Delusions with regard to alchemy are, or have been, very common. What, sir? Do you doubt that gold can be made? Gold has been made throughout history. Why, in 1854, Tiferot's experiments were read before the Academy of Sciences in Paris. Indeed. Stay. I will provide proof. I will pay you with gold. Marion. Get me an ingot. Now! That is too great a payment for these services. Obey me, wretched girl, or I swear by all that I reverence in heaven and earth that I will lay my curse upon you forever! Very well. Here, then. You see how reluctantly she parts with it? <laughs> Take it, sir. It is yours. You doubt its genuineness, perhaps? There are acids on the yonder table. Test it. It is real. I perceive that you are surprised. Well, that is natural. You had a right to think me mad until I proved myself. But Mr. Blakelock, I really cannot take this gold. I have no right to it. I cannot, in justice, charge so large a fee. Take it. Take it. 
Your fee will amount to more than that before I am well. Besides, I wish to secure your friendship. I wish that you should protect me from her. Sir, sir, you need your rest. Now here's a prescription. I shall come see you tomorrow mid-morning. Until then, Mr. Blakelock, sleep. Doctor, doctor, ha have you any compassion in your heart? I should hope so. Shh, shh, shh don't, don't talk so loud. If you have any pity in your nature, give me back that gold ingot which my father gave you. Great heaven! Can it be possible that so fair a woman be such a mercenary, shameless wretch? Uh, you know not. I cannot tell you. Oh, for heaven's sake. Do not judge me so harshly. Perhaps someday you will know me true. But the ingot... Where is it? I, I must have it. My life depends on your giving it to me. Take it, imposter. I never intended to keep it. Gold made under the same roof that covers such as you must be accursed. Good day, Dr. Luxer. How would you like your eggs this morning? I've picked up a nice bit of fresh jam from the Parsons. It will go well with your toast. Oh, good morning, Mrs. James. I might have some of that coffee, please. Oh, my dear. Were you up late reading journals again? Tut, tut. Those things will be the death of you yet. I have some fresh cream from the Parsons cow. Let me fetch it for you. Uh, no, thank you, Mrs. James. Uh, just black coffee with sugar is fine. Scrambled eggs with toast and jam sounds wonderful. Wait, uh, Mrs. James, I had a visitor late last night. Uh, perhaps you know the family, uh, the Blakelocks? Well, of course I do. Everyone around here knows them. It was a terrible tragedy, it was. Indeed it was. What, what was the tragedy? Why, the wife and the young boy. They both died when the sickness came through town. Must have lost nearly one in ten town residents. I don't know how it was that that little girl survived the sickness. She surely must have been kissed by an angel. And Mr. Blakelock, what of him? Old Mr. Blakelock, well, he was never quite right in the head, mind you. But after that, things got just rattled loose entirely. Hmm. Did the girl's mind survive, then? As far as I know, she took to keeping care of her father, so n nobody sees much of either of them. She takes in mending, or some such, I've heard. I must get your breakfast. Doctor, this young woman insists on seeing you. Father has gotten out of bed and insists on going with his alchemy. Will it kill him? No. It were better that he kept quiet so as to avoid the chance of inflammation. However, you need not be alarmed. His burns are not at all dangerous, although very painful. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Oh, doctor, how can I repay you? I can sew. I can clean. I can cook. Now, now miss, there, there, that'll do. And return my hand, please. You are under no obligations to me. You'd better go back to your father. I can't go. You despise me, is it not so? You think me a monster? A criminal? When you came home last night... Were you wonderstruck that so vile a creature as I should have so fair a face? You embarrass me, miss. Uh, pray, relieve me from this unpleasant position. Wait, 
I, I cannot bear that you should think so ill of me. You are good and kind, and I desire to possess your esteem. You little know how I love my father. Oh, really, miss? You do not believe that? Our life was not always as it is now. When my mother and brother were still alive, my father was a chemist, more specifically, a druggist. I remember our shop in those days. Ah, Mrs. Sandstrom, how is the nose today? Better, I take it. Good, good. Give my best to your husband. Son, open the door for Mrs. Sandstrom. There's a good lad. Yes, father. Mr. Blakelock, you are such a bulwark in this community. We are such a fortunate family. Mrs. Blakelock, your heart and my knowledge makes for a combination such that this town is not seen in decades. Are there any more of those lemon drops you made last week? Children, who would like a lemon drop? Oh, me. I would. Please? Please, Father. You spoil them so. Are you feeling well enough, my dear? I heard you coughing in the night. It is a touch of a cold. Will you mix up a cough preparation? I do feel a bit of a headache today as well. I'm sure it will pass soon. It did not pass soon. Mother water. became more ill than it took Charles. That's a good girl. Bring some of the tonic that we made this morning. Now add the herbs your mother mixed last week to this poultice. <coughs> Charles? William? Do I hear Charles coughing? Be still, my dear. <coughs> Charles will be well. Marion and I are caring for you both. It took down the entire household. I was the last to fall to the influenza. My father and I were the only ones to survive. Oh, it is a terrible scourge. There is much from that time I do not recall. I remember caring for my father. I have a distant memory of him picking me up from the floor and carrying me to my bed. Then nothing for what seems forever. When I finally crept from my tangled, soiled bedclothes, Mother and Charles were nowhere to be found, and the shop was a ravaged ruin. It was grief then that unhinged your father's mind. That was ten years ago. It was then that he began his obsession with transmuting metals into gold. I was raised to be a dutiful daughter. I have truly loved my father. I had hoped that if his dream were fulfilled, he would regain his sanity. And that if life could go but our way for a while, he would return to the man he was before. That is a sad tale. It brings me to my visit today. I have had a hard struggle all last night with myself, but I am now resolved this life of deceit must continue no longer. Will you hear my vindication? Uh, of course, of course, yes. My father has told you a portion of his history, but he did not tell you that his continued failures in his search after the secret of metallic transmutation nearly killed him. No, no, he did not. Two years ago, he was on the verge of the grave, working every day at his mad pursuit, and every day growing weaker and more emaciated. I saw that if his mind was not relieved in, in some way, he would die. The thought was madness to me, for I love him. Two years ago, he was emaciated? Yes, I know. I, I know. During all these years of poverty, I had supported the house with my needle. It was hard work, but I did it, and I do it still. What? Wait, you, you what? Pa patience. Hear, hear me out. Uh, I'm sorry, of course. 
I had to save my father. By incredible exertions, working day and night, I saved about $35 in notes. These I exchanged for gold, and one day when my father was not looking, I cast it into the crucible, in which he was making one of his vain attempts at transmutation. Ah, I see. God, I am sure, will pardon the deception. I never anticipated the misery it would lead to. But then he actually believes he can turn Oh, yes. The poor wandering soul. I never beheld anything like the joy of my father when he... After emptying his crucible, he found a deposit of pure gold at the bottom. He wept and danced and sang and built such castles in the air that my brain was dizzy to hear him. He gave me the ingot to keep and went to work at his alchemy with renewed vigor. And he has worked like this then for the past two years? And even before that? Yes, indeed. Always the same thing occurred. He found the same quantity of gold in his crucible. I alone knew the secret. Until now. He was happy. Mad, but happy. The poor man, for nearly two years, believing that he was amassing a fortune. All the while, I plied my needle for our daily bread. You have kept the secret tightly to yourself alone. When he asked me for the savings, the first stroke of my folly fell upon me. I could give him no money. I never had any. Nonetheless, he believes that I had stashed away $14,000. Well, one can see how that occurred. My heart was nearly broken when I found that he had conceived the most injurious suspicions against me, yet I could not blame him. Once we account as well for his state of mind, But I could give no account of the treasure I had permitted him to believe was in my possession. I must suffer the penalty of my fault, for to undeceive him would be... I felt to kill him. That is a strong possibility. You know the rest. You now know why I was reluctant to give you that ingot. Why I degraded myself so far in asking for it back. It was the only means I had of continuing a deception on which I believe my father's life depends. I I do see, miss. I do. But that delusion must be dispelled. I can't live this life of hypocrisy any longer. I cannot exist and hear my father, whom I love so, wither me daily with his curses. No, of course not. You can't go on like that. I will undeceive him this very day. Will you come with me for... I fear the effect on his enfeebled frame. Uh, Willingly, but first I must ask forgiveness. Uh, Forgiveness for having even for a moment wounded so noble a heart. You are truly as great a martyr as any of those whose sufferings the church perpetuates in altarpieces. I knew you would do me justice once you knew all. But come, let us hasten to my father and, and break this to him without delay. Mr. Blakelock, are you really well enough for this? No fear for me, Doctor. No fear. I must not allow a little physical pain to interrupt my great work, you know. I've come around, sir, just to see how you are today. Good as gold. (laughs) Or soon to be. By the way, you're just in time. In a few moments, the marriage of the Red King and White Queen will be accomplished. Yes, Doctor. In less than ten minutes, you will see me make pure. Red, shining gold. Father, I want your forgiveness. Ah, hypocrite! For what? Are you going to give me back my gold? No, Father, but for the deception that I have been practicing on you for two... I knew it! I knew it! She has concealed my $14,000 all this time and now comes to restore them. 
I will forgive her. Where are they, Marion? Father, it must come out. You, you never made any gold. It was I who saved up $35, and I used it to buy a gold ingot, which I slipped into your crucible when your back was turned. Liar! I did it only because I saw that you were dying of disappointment. It was wrong, I know. Father, but I meant well. Will you forgive me? You'll forgive me, won't you? Oh! No! No, no! A conspiracy, that's what this is. Well done, Doctor. You think to reconcile me with this wretched girl by trumping up a story that I have been for two years a dupe of her filial piety? It's clumsy. And it's a total failure. But I assure you, Mr. Blakelock, I believe your daughter's statement to be perfectly true. You will find it so as well, when no transmutation takes place in your crucible. Doctor, you are a fool. The girl has wheedled you. In less than a minute, I will turn out a piece of gold purer than any the Earth produces. Will that convince you? Please, Father, listen to the good doctor. Marion, let him be. Yes, Mr. Blakelock, sir, that will convince me. Ah, now it begins. There, see, there's the scum. And now the green and bronze shades flit across it. Oh, the beautiful green. It is a precursor of the golden red hue that tells of the end attained. Oh, now the golden red is coming. Slowly, slowly. It deepens. It shines. It is dazzling. Ah, now I have it. I can't wash this. Now, incredulous doctor, come and be convinced. Come and see my proofs. See first if there's any gold in your crucible, good sir. It's not solid. There's nothing. Oh, a jest. A jest. There must be gold somewhere. Marion, where's the gold? The gold is here, Father. This ingot is all we've ever had. Oh! Father, no! Step aside, Marion, step aside. No! Oh, Marion, it's too late. Your father is dead. The long years of strain and toil were too much. His heart could not withstand the contradiction. Perhaps it's all for the best. Perhaps it's for the best. This was Doctoring Gold, based on the story The Golden Ingot by Fitz James O'Brien, adapted for radio by Bobby Wiley. In the cast were Roy Nessel as William Blakelock, Tristan Johnson as Marion Blakelock, Dave Johnson as Dr. Luxor, Daniel Bunce as Charles Blakelock, Rebecca Murray as Elizabeth Blakelock, and Christine Yautzi as Mrs. James. I'm your announcer, Ann Bodle Nash, music director, Jasmine Clemenson, Sound design and dialogue editing, Jay Charles. Production assistant, Tori Cuisenberry. Recording engineer, Trey Hatch. Recording technician, Misa Fukuda. Directed by Christine Yautzi. Produced by Joseph C. McGuire. Recorded at KSVR Studios in Mount Vernon, Washington. This is a Radio Theater Project presentation.
This program is supported with a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.